Good morning, church. Good morning. Uh, hey, let me stop real quick before I do my normal welcome and say thank you. Ooh, a little bit. To, um, to all of our Dream Teamers, um, man, it was awesome last week. We had a house full. We had a parking lot full. We had a nursery full. And obviously, we had a sanctuary full. And uh, we just couldn't do all that without the Dream Team, with all of you who serve, with the ushers and greeters. We had people in the parking lot last week just helping people find parking spaces and guiding people to the right place. Just know that from my heart, um, thank you, because we couldn't do it without you. And I believe that you get credit. God credits us as a body uh, for taking care of people like that and uh, loving on people. But let me stop and say, hey, welcome. If you're watching us online, I know we have several people traveling this week. And uh, if you're here with us for the first or second time, welcome. Um, if you need anything, find somebody that has a name tag that says, I'm here to help, and uh, they will get you the information you need or go in the direction that you, that you need to. I want you to, I'm not going to make you stand up, but I want you to celebrate something with me, okay? Remember, last week we talked about, you know, we cheer for a football team, we cheer for a sports team, and, and they've never done anything for our soul. But there's some people in last week that made a decision. If you didn't see this online, last week we had 22 people that checked box B that said, I am starting a new relationship with my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Now, I don't know about you, but that's something to cheer about. <laughs> Amen. Now, I'm going to ask you not only to celebrate something with me, I'm going to ask you to do something for me. I need you to pray for some people, love some people, serve some people, because for the first time in the, uh, I don't know, eight, nine years we've been doing the survey, we didn't have any D's. The D's were the ones that said, I never intend on, on making that. But we did have 22 people check C, which said, I th I'm thinking about it. I, it's not a no. It's a, I'm, I'm interested. I'm thinking about it. I'm trying to figure out what this God thing is. And so that says to me that among us are people who are still searching and people who need to be loved, who need to be prayed for, who need to have, have us share our lives with them. And I want to say to you, if you're here today or watching online, if you check B last week, that's a huge step in your life. That's a major, what we would call one step. It's an eternal decision. That one decision changes the course of your eternity. For those of you who maybe checked C and said, I'm still trying to figure this out, you had no less of an important decision. Your one step was to show up, to keep your heart open, to keep your ears open, to listen. It's such a huge thing, our choices in life, our choices to decide what we're going to do, because this is true. Choices are what determines the distance between where you are and where God wants you to be. You hear us say all the time that for a one step, we say, we, we all have one step, because God wants to take us from where we are to what? To where God wants us to be. But the way you make that move is you make a decision. You make a choice. You choose to show up. I used to kind of despise that, if I'm honest, as a pastor. Because I would, I would get up here and I would feel like as a pastor, man, I just preach the paint off the walls. And just, raw, I'll let you have it. And then, now who wants to meet Jesus? And it's like, yeah, that exact sound, that's perfect. That crickets. And God, God just kind of thumped me on the head one day and said, hey, you're, you're getting 
upset about people not maybe running forward or raising their hand at the end and, and acknowledging. But you're forgetting there's some people who took some one steps today, some major steps, and that was just showing up. They showed up today. They decided to get out of bed. That our choices is that distance between where we are and where God wants us to be. That we have to decide what we're going to do. The Bible says this in the back in the, in the Old Testament. It says, today, God's saying this to these people. He says, today I've given you the choice between life and death, between blessing and curse. Now, I don't know about you, but if somebody said to me, Clint, in this hand, I've got more blessing than you can ever want. Or in this hand, oh, let's just do it this way. Let's do it in something we'll all understand. In this hand, I have the winning lotto ticket. That is, you know, 1.4 and 1.4 billion dollars in one hand. And in this other hand, I have 1.4 billion dollars in debt. Now, I don't know about you, and I'm just going to guess this as a general rule. Does anybody in the room have the cash to pay a 1.4 billion dollar debt? Good. Then I need to talk to you after service. We have a building note we need to take care of because if you can handle 1.4, you can handle our little bill. But if I ask you between those two things and say it's yours, just make a choice. How many people are going to choose a debt you can't pay? Nobody. Yet in our lives in eternity, we do it every day. Oh, no, no, I don't need God. I can take care of it. No, you can't. You'll never. Most of us, probably, if we added up everything we'll all make of all of us in the room, would not equal $1.4 billion. Yet we do that a lot. And the Bible says, today I'm asking you to choose between blessing and cursing. It goes on, and God says, now I, I call on heaven and earth to witness this. Witness, say this word with me. Witness the choice you make. In other words, God's paying attention. Oh, that you would choose. The blessings of God, we were singing the song earlier. We were saying, oh, he's coming after me. He's running after me. He's chasing me. This is God chasing you. Because he said, oh, that I wish that you would choose life. Because it not only is life for you, it's life for you and your family. See, we think our decisions are based, they only affect me. Well, they don't. They affect everybody connected to you. Family, I would say family, friends, and work, work employees and, and co-workers. Oh, that you would choose life. Proverbs says this, that wise choices will watch over you, and understanding will keep you safe. A wise choice is, as a child, my grandfather was an electrician, so as a, as a child, I was always going with him places, wiring boxes, and, you know, 11, 12 years old. And I learned, wisdom said, a screwdriver and a live outlet is what? Not good. And... But I had to make a choice because I had been taught and been, under, and been educated that my understanding said it's going to keep me safe. Because that screwdriver in the outlet hurts. And we learn, and the Bible says, listen, wise choices will watch over you, will keep you safe. And I'm sure a lot of us, and I'm going to ask you to be bold and own your, own your life. Anybody ever made some unwise choices? If your hand's not up, you're lying. Or you're just not thinking hard enough. I was going to show you some pictures of, of my choices because I, there are pictures of some of the unwise choices I made as a teenager, like jumping off a bridge into the lake. Um, that was unwise. 
But I decided to not do it, and i just show you this picture. The wisest decision I've ever made. Come on, help a brother out. I started to show you the other pictures, and I thought, no, I'll show you that, and somebody's going to take a screenshot, and it'll be all over Facebook. Look, that pastor believers, he was the hell young when he was young. I didn't make good decisions, but I ain't going to show you the pictures. <laughs> See, the choices I've made certainly were not towards where God wanted me to be. And the cool thing about God is when, I, when we make a choice that's not the one step toward God, the Bible says he's right on our heels. David says, in the King David writes in Psalms, he goes, I go to the pit of hell, God, and you're right there with me. I go to the highest heights of heavens, and you're right there with me. Paul writes this in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1. He says, therefore, I, a prisoner. Remember, he, Paul, if you don't know, Paul wrote most of the New Testament, and he was locked up for most of the time. Most of the Bible he wrote was he was locked up. He said, there are prisoners serving for the Lord. Beg you to take your chance to make a choice to lead your life worthy of something. Worthy of your calling. And I know most of you in the room are going to look at me and say, Clint, you're crazy. I don't have a calling. And I'm going to look you right back in the eye and say, you're wrong. You do have a calling. God puts you here for a reason. We hear calling and it's like, well, and, and pastors do this. And if you ever hear a pastor do this, it's kind of bloviating. It's kind of building themselves up because it's no different for you. Pastors will say, oh, I accepted the calling to come serve in Sylvania. This is just my part to play. Guess what? You have the same part to play. I'm not special. I don't have a bat phone to God. There's not a red phone in my office where I can go straight to him. You can go to God just like I can. You have a calling too. Paul goes on to say, now these are the, are the gifts Christ gave to the church. He says, well, I'm going to help you get to that. I'm going to help you. I don't know why that's cutting out today. I'm going to help you get there. And he says, I've given you these people. This is where my job comes from. And in verse, verse 12, he says, the responsibility is theirs to equip God's people to do their calling, to build up the church, to build the church body. Paul goes on to say, these are the people that are responsible that's my job. That's why I'm here. So I have a twofold part. I'm doing this job to help us go all the right direction. But guess what? I've got a calling and a walk just like you do. I've got a relationship with God through Jesus just like you do. It's no different. The old adage, I put my pants on the same way you do. Usually like, oh, right foot. Oh, God, left foot. And all of us... We're all aging. We're all going through this thing together. I'm not any different than you. Paul goes on to say, to tell us that we need to grow up, that this will continue. You're going to keep going. We're going to get closer in our faith until the knowledge of God's Son, that we will be something mature, that you're growing up. They're maturing in the Lord, and we're going to measure it. It won't be till later, but we'll finally get there to this full level of Christ. One, version, one verse of the Bible says that we're to be presented whole. And the only way we get whole is to walk this out. And what Paul is telling us is that there's always one step. You have a choice to make. 
Are you going to take that step? This is what God began to thump me in the head that I was holding on against, really not witnessing people's really true one step was to show up. I was so focused on, did they receive Jesus? Did they receive Jesus? Now, that's important. Don't get me wrong. That's a game changer. But a lot of us, sometimes we're just making choices just to show up. I'm making choices not to let the enemy talk me out of coming, to tell me I'm, I'm worthless. There's always one step to take. One thing that we forget, we want God to, a lot of people tell me this, why couldn't God just make me do it? Because that's not the kind of God we serve. The Bible tells us that he's given us a free will. He doesn't make us do it. What we need to understand is that taking one step is a choice you make. God's not making the choice for you. He's already made that choice for you. He's already made the choice to send Jesus for you. So he's done everything he's going to do. It's our choice. Nobody's forced. Paul goes on in Ephesians 4, and he starts the, word, starts the verse with then. Remember, we're coming out of talking about you're gonna, we're going to be mature. Once you're mature, and then he says then. And only at that point. And it goes on in verse 14 to say, then we'll no longer be immature like children. Now, without looking at the person on your left or right, do any of you know any immature adults? If you ever go on Facebook, you can find a whole lot of them. Yan yan back and forth on Facebook, like like they're changing, like something in their life, like something they're going to type out is just going to be revolutionary, and suddenly they're going to change everybody's minds, or they make just really rear into themselves because they're acting like children. Now, don't get me wrong. There's plenty of times when I've seen it on Facebook, I, I thought, oh, I'm going to type out a message. Yeah, not a good idea. But Paul says, hey, you're not, no longer going to be immature. He goes on to say, you're not going to be tossed around and blown about by every wind of new teaching. For some of you in the younger generation, you're not going to be blown around by every, every new TikTok challenge. You talk about immaturity. We have some adults. These are college age should be adults. They can serve in the military, buy a gun, drive a car, buy alcohol, the whole nine yards, and they're on TikTok eating Tide Pods and stuff. You laugh if you don't know. People were doing that, doing stupid stuff. Why? Because they're just blown around by whatever wind blows, whatever influences them. Paul goes on and says, hey, we're not going to be influenced when people try to trick us with lies and clever sound that people, you know, they call people on, on Instagram and TikTok or on the social media. They call them, we now have a new job that's a social influencer. You don't have to have any knowledge, any training, any ability at all except for to just blow smoke and you can be an influencer. See, the devil does this too. He influences us to stay away from the one-step choices that God has for us to make. The Bible actually says in Hebrews chapter 5, for someone who lives on milk is still an infant, and they don't know what they're doing. And if you would say to me, Clint, I think I got this together. Every time somebody tells me, I figured it out, I got it out, I've got this all figured out, then I tell them immediately, that's your issue. Because the Bible is telling us, hey, if you're still drinking milk, if you're not growing up, if you're still the same 
today as you were a year ago past, you're not maturing. He goes on to say solid food is for those who mature, who through training have recognized, has earned skill. Now, I don't know about you, but training tells me that it's what? There's some work to be done. There's something that I need to be doing. It's a forward motion, not just sitting like I'm not on a log and suddenly God's going to change me. Now, can he? Yes. Does it often happen? No. That we recognize the difference in what is coming at us in life. You see, we get better as Jesus gets bigger in our lives. I get better at what I'm doing as he gets better, I mean bigger in my life. John, in John's gospel, he actually says this. He says, he must become greater, so that means I got to do what? I got to be less. There's only, it's, it's, a, it's only a certain amount of volume. And the more in me there is, the worse it's going to be. The more it's me trying to plan God and be God in my head, it's not going to work. But John says, the more it becomes him and less of me, the better it goes for me. Why? Because taking one step develops Jesus in me. The one step closer, doing more, reading my Bible, praying, showing up this morning, worshiping, serving on a dream team, whatever it is you're doing, serving, developing Christ in me makes me better. Taking Christ up a level in my life. Paul writes this in Galatians 2. He says, when that happens, there's going to be some, there's going to be some fruit pop up. Now, there's probably some of you guys who are much better with fruit trees and all, but I think most of us could tell. Walk into a field, and there's a tree with a red fruit on it. We walk into a field, and there's a tree with a bright yellow round fruit on it. Don't you think we can go, hey, that's an apple tree, hey, that's a lemon tree, hey, that's an orange tree, hey, that's a... We can, we can, we can t- tell what the fruit is because taking one step develops Christ in me. Galatians said, I've been crucified with Christ. I'm no longer, no longer Christ within me, but I've, I've got this fruit. I've got this, this fruit that says, hey, I'm a Christian. Hey, I've served God. There's, there's something going on. Galatians 5.25 says, Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep and step with the Spirit. Hold on one sec, Mom. I got ahead of myself. See, Christ in the Bible is clear. It shows up visible. It shows up results. It shows up... Um, where other people should be able to recognize it. See, there's a place where God wants us to be. And we say that a lot, but really where that is, is he wants you to be in the place where you're living life with purpose. You're living life like he created you to be. It's not by accident. You weren't here just by dumb luck that God just said, hey, I got this space to fill. Let me just drop this guy in here. He'll, he'll hold that space. That's not why we're here. Romans says this, and this is out of the message paraphrase version. It says, but look from the long-range perspective. Look at your life as a whole. God's purpose 
God's gifts and call are under full warranty, never canceled, never rescinded. Wouldn't you like to buy your new car or buy whatever it is, and they say, you just got a lifetime warranty, you just, if it breaks, you bring it back. We love those kind of things, yet God tells us all along, no matter how bad you screw it up, I'm right here. You can always come back. God's gift are never, calls are never falling out of warranty because there's purpose. Because of the third thing, taking one step is always purpose-filled. What do you mean by that, Clint? I mean, as you take your steps, every step you take, whether it's just showing up, meeting Jesus, reading your Bible, um, worshiping more, learning to give, learning to tithe, you're growing, serving on a dream team, whatever it is, all those steps have your purpose all wrapped up in it, that God's taking you forward. So you need to know this. If you hear anything today, hear this. Ushers, you guys can do your thing. We're going to be a little early this morning. You were created. You were created on purpose for a purpose. Again, I'm changing this mic. I can't take it anymore. There we go. You were created on purpose for a purpose. I said this a little while ago. There are a lot of us that believe that my life is an accident. I had somebody actually tell me, well, Clint, my life is just one series of mistakes. There's a lot of us that way. But God's not blown away by the fact that you made mistakes. The Bible says, in Psalm 139, that God, you, you saw me before I was even born. Now, don't ask me to explain this because I, I can't explain the good and the bad. But it says that every day of my life was recorded in your book and every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. Then why does bad stuff happen to good people? I cannot answer that question. My only answer is we live in a world that's fallen and there's some people who just do terrible stuff. But God says, I see your life, and you're still created for a purpose. Your mistakes and all. You're not too far gone. You're not irredeemable. 1 Corinthians says this, that now we see things perfectly, like puzzling reflections in a mirror, or imperfectly, sorry. But then we'll see everything with perfect clarity. Let me stop right there. What he's saying is now we're seeing a lot. We see God, and we can see God in nature. You can see God, the fruit in our lives. Hopefully some of you can say, well, I can see God in my own life because I used to feel this way. I was miserable. I was depressed. Now I have joy. God's brought me healing. He's healed my family. He's healed marriages. But you still, it's still like looking through a stained glass window. You can kind of make out an image. But the Bible goes on to say, Paul goes on in verse 12 and says, All that I know right now is partial and incomplete. See, it doesn't change until a little bit later, so there's always a step to take. Because even though you think you know, you don't know. 
I would dare say if we raised our hand and said, hey, for those of you who are, say, 30 and up, we would say at 25, yeah, I had it all figured out. But those of us who are over 30 will look back and go, at 25, I was dumber than a box of rocks. Like I, I just did dumb stuff, right? Because we, we saw things partial and incomplete. But then it goes on, and but then I will. But then, and it does this, it's, well, what's the then? See, the Bible says the then is when we are able to stand face-to-face with Jesus. Whether that be you, you pass from this life or Jesus comes back and takes us in the resurrection and, and we, we, miss, we, we head out with him. But it says, then I'm going to see you and I'm going to look at you face-to-face. And then, only then, I'll, I'll know you. But Paul adds this, and I, this is what I want you to see today. That you're not fooling anybody. God's not going, oh, wow, you showed me something new about yourself. Because Paul says right here, this last line, that just God, just as God now knows me completely, that God already knows you completely. The Bible says he wrote every day of your life. It was recorded before you had it, before you were ever a thought. He showed up. So now my question to you is this. What's your one step? And I'm asking everybody in the room and everybody watching online. Because according to the Bible, we all have one step to take. Is it today? You didn't last week, but maybe today you've really felt God tugging on your heart. And maybe today you begin a relationship with Jesus. The Bible says it's, it's, it's this easy. He says if you believe it, not here, but you believe it in your heart, that Jesus, what we just celebrated in Easter, that Jesus came, died, and rose from the dead for you. And you confess it with your mouth. The Bible says eternity is yours. And one day you'll look God right in the face and see him clearly. The other option is the only time you see him is when he says, hey, I didn't know you. You didn't. You chose the $1.4 billion in debt that you can't pay, and you didn't pay it. Somebody's got to pay for it. Or you chose correctly. You chose the gift that I gave you, and salvation is yours. Maybe that's where you are today. Maybe last week you checked B. I want to encourage you in this one. Your one step may be to get water baptized. All throughout the Bible, anytime there was... Groups of people getting saved, it was always followed by groups of people getting baptized. Well, what's water baptism? The 30-second version is this. Water baptized. Jesus himself was baptized. We believe, and there's some other denominations that believe some various things, but the Bible, I think the Bible is clear. We believe in baptism through immersion. When Jesus was baptized, he went all the way down and came back up. What is baptism? It's simply an outward testimony of an inward work. It's a public declaration of saying, yes, I check box B. I'm not perfect. I don't have it all figured out. I just know that I've met the one who's going to help me figure it out. And the Bible says that when you're baptized, the old you is washed clean, and when you come up, it's the new Clint. It's the it's the new Stephen. It's the new Bob. It's the new Tammy. It's It's new me washed by him. 
we're doing that next week, and it's not too late for you to sign up. You can go on your app. We'll have everything you need. If you show up next week and make a last-minute decision, we will get you in line and get you taken care of. We celebrate it. We celebrate a public decoration of my faith. What's your one step? Maybe you need to make this. You've heard me say this before. If you've been here for a while, maybe you need to make the one-year promise. And this is not your promise to me. This is my promise to you. You give me one year. You show up every time you possibly can, every time the doors are open. You jump in and you participate. Every aspect of God and every aspect of church life, you get in it. And if we get back to next year and your life is not markedly better and blessed, then I will leave and go find a church with you. If you begin giving and you begin tithing and you do that for a year and your life is not blessed, your life is not marked better, I'll give you your money back. And then we'll go find somewhere. Because if it doesn't make us better, if we're not taking one steps, we're wasting our time. Maybe it's you making a promise. I'm going to show up. Your one, your one choice is just, God, I'm showing up for you. I'm showing up to worship. I'm showing up to serve. I'm showing up to learn. Maybe for some of you, your one step is what I call a daily 15. Some of you early birds who get up before Jesus does in the morning, y'all can do it in the morning. I do mine at night. I know some of y'all get up early because I see you online. Sunday morning is the only morning I get up early. And I usually check in on Facebook at the church, just kind of, I'm here and I'm ready for my day with God. And all these people start liking it at 4 or 5 in the morning. I'm like, you people need to go back to bed. Jesus isn't even up yet, Todd. Where's Todd? So take 15. And what the 15 is, it's five minutes of worship, five minutes of prayer, and five minutes of reading your Bible. Well, I don't know what worship to listen to. Turn on Christian radio. Turn on Spotify. If you ask your Alexa or, hey, Siri, and say, play Christian music, she'll play Christian music for you. And just worship. Learn to worship. Then talk to God for five minutes. It's funny what we make it such a big deal. I ask people to pray all the time. Okay, will you pray before we start? And you can, have, you can be speaking to somebody who can talk the letters off a stop sign. But you, ha- you say, okay, let's talk to God. And they got nothing to say. It's because we don't practice it. We don't get used to the same way you talk to somebody else. Here's how I start my day talking with God. When I do get up after the sun's up and after I'm fully caffeinated. Morning, Dad. What are we going to do today? Yeah, if, if I mess up, I'm sorry. If I mess up yesterday, I'm sorry. What do you want to teach me today? Where are we going today? What opportunities do we have today? And then listen. Prayer is not all talking and yapping. A lot of prayer is just listening. Because if you ask him, he'll talk. So it's worship, prayer, talking to God, and then five minutes. I would rather you read a couple verses a day, five minutes a day, than say, well, I read at the end of the month, I just read a whole chapter. Well, you don't eat once a month. Then why do you feed yourself, feed your spirit once a month? Or some of y'all never. So you open your Bible. Maybe your one step is now you, is to say, hey, I need to find some freedom. I need to find some help. Maybe you need to take the Bible reading to another level and join us in the one-year Bible. 
You can go, don't, don't think you got to start back and catch up. Go right now, download it. Join us on the one-year Bible, start today and finish the rest of the year. Maybe the Bible needs to be a daily thing for you, more than just five minutes. This will change anybody's life. Maybe you need to get in a grow group. Maybe you're feeling like you're alone, you're fighting this battle, you don't have people around you. You know how to change that? Get in a grow group. If you can't find one, we'll find you one. We'll get you connected with people who can do life with you. If you want to find freedom for your past, the best way for that to happen, it's in a grow group with people who are doing life with you, who care, who love you, who, who understand where you are in life. Get in a grow group. Serve. What's your one step? Maybe it's what Melanie was talking about, the one step connect. Maybe, you've, maybe it's time for you to get off the sideline and get in the game and make believers your home. Get plugged into a dream team. Start walking out your purpose. That's coming up on May 21st. Like Melanie said, you can sign up right on your app. But for a lot of you, you need to begin to ask God right now what my one step is. Because time's moving. God's moving. And if we're not taking one step, then we just get further. We don't get further away from God. We get further away from where he wants us to be. Because the Bible says, I never leave you or forsake you. He's never going anywhere. But where he's going gets further away because we're not taking our one step. Now, if you would, if you'd stand with me real quick, bow your head and close your eyes. Just over the next 15, 20 seconds, I'm just going to ask you, right there by yourself, forget who's standing beside you, and just ask God to yourself, God, what's my one step? And then listen. For those of you who would say, Clint, my one step is, I know I need to, I check C and I need to check B. I need to start this relationship with Jesus today. Every head bowed, every eye closed, I'm not going to call you to the front. I'm not going to embarrass you. But I truly believe over the next weeks, you're going to see those 22 and more begin to check B and say, today I'm starting. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to pick on you and call you up front. But I do want you to shoot your hand up at me. If you say, Clint, today my one step is, is, is making the decision. Anybody else? Today, my one step is, is doing, making this decision for Christ. For well, those of you who raised your hand, you can simply pray this, and we're all going to pray it with you. Everybody in the room, say, Lord Jesus, today I receive you as my Lord and my Savior. I believe you, God. You sent Jesus for me. I believe it in my heart, and I confess it with my mouth. God, forgive me for not getting it right. But from today forward, I'll follow you. In Jesus' name, amen. See, it's that easy. And you took a major step today. And we want you to keep taking those steps. So in just a minute, we're going to sing one more song. I'm going to pray over you. We call this, for those of you who are new, the last song is not just so we have something to do. The last song we do is just, it's time that I call to let, let the words settle. Maybe even ask God, not only what's my step, but God, what, what is this saying to me today? Did I experience him in a new way? For those of you who, who check the box today, you're saying, okay, God, where are we going? What you got for me today? For a lot of you, say, Clint, I need somebody to pray with me. I need somebody to help me pray about my one step, to pray about where I am in life. Over to my right, your left, 
Pastor Bob and Tammy are over there today. They would love to pray with you. You can tell them as much or as little as you want, and they will lift you up in prayer. They will agree with you and build you up in what we call. The New Testament tells us you can build somebody up in their faith. That's what we're always here to do. So I'm going to pray, and while I pray, you ask God those questions. God, what are you saying to me today? What's my one step now? And then we're going to worship. God, in Jesus' name, I thank you that we get to celebrate lives changed today. People checking box B. And God, I thank you today for those in the, within the sound of my voice watching online. That God, all of us have one step to take, and you're going to tell us what it is. And God, we thank you for being in our lives. We thank you for moving in our lives. And God, that we get to see you face to face. And I thank you for it now, Father. In Jesus' name. And everybody said.